three, I think three years later going, oh, I've actually sort of cracked it. I finally cracked it. I was like, oh, really? And and so it turns out that he had cracked trading. He'd worked out how to do it and he was profitable. 90% of the episode was around how the Illuminati is basically taking all your money in the markets. I passed prop firm challenges with it and did really well. And then it just sort of, it's almost like it just went off track. What's up traders? Welcome to the day trading show. My name is Austin Silver. I am your host. Today, I sit down with Cam Hawkins. Cam is the host of the Trading Nut podcast. A lot of you know Cam. He's interviewed some really popular traders on social media, but also some traders that you may never have heard of. So today, I asked Cam all about those interviews. We talk about AI, trading strategy, psychology. We talk about, like I said, the value from his interviews. There's a lot here. And Cam is a, a really good friend, a really good Kiwi from uh, New Zealand that you you guys are going to really, really love if you don't know Cam already. So enjoy today's episode. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of the future podcasts. Now enjoy my conversation with Cam. Welcome back, everybody. We appreciate you being here. Today, I am solo with our special guest, Mr. Cam Hawkins. Cam, it's good to be with you. You're coming to us from New Zealand, correct? Yes, that's right. New Zealand, Wellington, and New Zealand. Awesome. It is really good to speak with you. Cam is the host of the Trading Nut podcast. That's how a lot of you guys probably know Cam. But before we get into that, and I know that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today, Cam, and we're going to talk a little bit about markets, talk about everything else. Cam and I were just sharing uh, earthquake stories. So today's podcast could go in a couple of different fun directions, and that's why I'm excited to have him here. Can you just catch everybody up, Cam, on you know, maybe the two people that are living under a rock, catch them up on who you are, how you got into trading and the podcast and all that. Just a, a brief overview, 30,000 feet, you know? Okay, cool. Well, look, um, yeah, so I, I, mean, I got into trading years ago. It was probably the, the, the parent daddy effect. Had a kid, started doing like businesses and then fell into trading after randomly hearing about a guy make six, uh, half a million dollars in six months. And then uh, after a while, like going up and down and, you know, losing money and stumbling and doing trying everything, I, I took a break and then decided to go and ask the experts and started the podcast. And I've uh, been doing that for, I think, well, I don't know, five, six years now, maybe even eight, uh, sorry, eight years. And we're up to two second podcast, 300 odd traders that I've interviewed. And here I am today on this one being interviewed myself. How often do you go on other people's podcasts as the guest? Oh, this is the this is actually the second one this month. Uh, well, within the last month. Okay, so but pretty often. Before, yeah, but before that, it was a long time ago. I think Rob Booker might have had me on, which was probably five six years ago. So hardly ever. This is a rarity. This is well, a rarity. I, I appreciate it. I know the audience does because I think for guys like you and me that run a show, it's cool for some. Like I, I think about it like. When Joe Rogan gets interviewed by Lex Friedman, by somebody else, I'm interested. I'm like, oh, great. Now I get to hear more from the guy that I like when he asks questions. So I, I think you're going to have some of your audience that are here to hear you know, more about you than yeah, maybe yeah, you even sure. realize. So this will be good. So I'm first very curious, bro. You've been doing the podcast, um, trading in New Zealand, like the time zone there is just so foreign to me because I'm in New York time zone. I'm East Coast, right? What has been your experience with the guests that you've had and trying to trade markets yourself with living in New Zealand? Because I think you told me you lived in the UK as well, correct? For a brief period of time? Yeah, so I was in the UK for seven years, but that was before I'd even found trading. And I, know, I was much So you weren't trading stuff. there. Okay. Yeah, Got yeah. It. I was, I, and so I came back here and uh, I think it was probably like two years in, 
and then I then I had my first child and and sort of things went hectic from there and I got into all sorts of stuff. So what was and, the first uh, thing when you did that? Was it Forex when you like when that all happened? Oh, was it Forex? It was actually options. It was really? options and you went with it was, the most uh, complicated thing first, basically. Exactly. What a what yeah. a crazy thing to do. And I ended up spending like <laughs> I think three months studying this guy, Kim Riley, his name was, and it was recommended. Okay to me by the guy who'd made uh, half a million dollars in six months had recommended this dude. And I was like, okay, let's study what he's done. So I studied the course and I studied it over and over and again. And I believe it was Bollinger Bands and moving averages and, and stuff like that. And I ended up taking my, and it was a big investment, right? And it took me ages to open up a brokerage account back then. There was no internet sort of trading. It was like, I had to get an account in Australia I had to transfer money across to multiple banks to get the money into the account. Oh my gosh, bro. What year it is took, this? This was like 2000 and maybe seven or eight, something yeah, like so that. It's still very probably. new when it comes to online trading. You yeah. know, I'd actually, I think it was even earlier than that. So it was probably like 2000 and, oh no, maybe it was 2008. Um, anyway, it was, yeah. it was a nightmare trying to get the brokerage account open. And maybe I just didn't know about MetaTrader and, and all, all the easy access to that. This was what this guy recommended. So I was like, I'm going to follow what he recommended. Of course. Place the first trade. It had to be $1,000 um, was the minimum. First trade, a thousand dollars at risk, right? And so I was like, so I think I I put three thousand dollars across, and I so I had three trades 30, I could take. Thirty percent yeah. risk. Let's see if we yeah. can get something. This is like when you're drunk at the casino and you're like, all right, I'm gonna sit down at the blackjack table for just one hand, and you get like a twenty five dollar bill. You know, you put twenty five, you get one hand, and if you win, you'll stay, and if you lose, you're done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I had no idea about risk management or anything like that. So I sort of thought, okay, one thousand on, you know, I don't need to lose it all. I didn't believe. But with options, you got you know thirty days, and then the thing expires, and you've got whatever you've got. And I ended up, you know, I finally did the analysis. I'd studied this thing over and over again. I was listening to an an iPod, I think it was, and it had a little video thing on it. And he was actually just talking; he wasn't even going over charts. So there was very little charting in the way of what I was being taught. And I ended up placing the first trade. And I'll tell you what, the emotions were just all over the place. I don't even think it went into profit. And it dropped by 300 bucks. And I'm like, close the trade, get out. And so the process <laughs> to close it was like, I had to go through this sort of rigmarole of getting into the software and finding oh some buyer. And so just way harder than it is now. Oh, it was just so hard. It was so yeah. hard. And then Crazy. never traded another option in my life. <laughs> that yeah. was it. Okay. I was done. That was, was it. Done. So what happened from then? Was that when you then like gave up on trading for a kind of second where you're like, this is when this has not happened or did you just go to another market? That's, that's when I, uh, that's when I discovered all these other trading courses out there. And Got I was it. like, Oh, what? There's so many trading courses out here. And I, and I dove into those and I've, then I found trading robots and, I just got derailed and I never, and I was just, I suppose I was a lazy trader. I never went into the charts for years, not until just very recently have I actually spent any time studying the charts and really? that's been my detriment. Yeah. It, that literally has been my detriment for, for, for years and years. That's is, crazy. I know. I just never, I, cause I went literally from options to, uh, seeing these courses and then, ah. Oh, shiny object syndrome robots and i started buying commercial robots and trading those and you know made some money in the time i did it and then lost some money and overall was probably about break even but yeah i was gonna say what's the experience because people ask me that all the time and i don't have any experience in bots or anything automated 
I never met anybody. I don't know them yet today. If you're listening to this, reach out to me so I don't have to say this anymore. But I've never met anybody that is consistently using the same algorithm, the same robot, and making money year after year after year. And they, if they do that, they probably work at a hedge fund. Yeah, well, look, it's it's look. Trust me, it's not easy. It's not easy to to find a robot that has an edge. But once you find an edge, and I've I've found an edge myself. And funnily, and I'll tell you where it's come from um, because it's it's probably quite well known. It's an ICT edge, and I found an edge, and it's an ICT edge, and it works. Um, <clears throat> but the question is, because you're not looking at every single trade, because of the, the way it trades, it's, it's, you're not looking at every single trade. You're kind of, in a way, wanting to keep the risk low enough because you're not confident that you're just, you know, hoping that the edge that you've found is going to carry on. And so, it, so with that, you know, it goes up and it goes down, and you never want to risk that much because you never sort of like, you haven't got that human element of confidence in it. That's what I sort of find is the, is the detriment to trying to make something pay over the long term for the for for a trading bot but like we we sit down together as my group we've got guys in the in the what we call it the robot lab live we build out trading robots every week and we put them to test and see if we can make them work and you know we're, we're, we're making some inroads there and we've got one that's looking pretty promising at the at this current moment which is um which is good to see that's awesome so how did you get into that really quick side tangent are you uh Back, do you have a background in coding? Like, because to me, that is so foreign. That is like, Jesus, don't even try to ask me to do that, man. Oh, look, I mean, it's, it's quite a, I suppose it's a long story. And let's try and keep it short. But I don't have a background in coding, but I've got a funny like mind of, I've got like sort of half creative, half logic, very balanced in that respect. And I ended up teaching myself how to build websites back in the day. So how do I do that? I had to pretend I was called Terry for a week. I went to a, a a course that I got for free from the company I was with, but I had to pretend You're lying. this guy, Terry. No, seriously, I had to be, I, it's like, they're like, uh, let's do a roll call away. Terry, is he here? Yeah, that's me. And I, I felt like I couldn't meet anyone there because I didn't want to say to them, oh, my name's Terry or what my real name was. You're like James Bond for a second here, bro. Uh, yeah, it was, it was. And I was like, so I did this course for a week and I learned how to code um, a little bit of HTML. And from there, um, the way I got into bots was this guy said, oh, I've got the strategy. And I'd found this thing called FXtreme, this online tool, which looked pretty good for building out trading algos. And I was like, okay, well, let, let me just build this strategy for him and I'll learn how to use the, um, the software at the same time. So I did that and I was like, man, this is actually sort of, I really get how this thing works now. And it's a drag and drop editor. There's no coding required at all. And it's just User an algorithm, friendly. right? Yeah, it's yeah. like true, false, yes or no, if yeah. then um kind of thing and from there i mean i've been doing that for about seven or eight years as well and now i can pretty much automate anything so you tell me i want to automate this and i for whatever reason i just really understand this stuff and how to do it and all the little tricks and tactics you can use to get um to to help you automate whatever you want and i've got a course that you know teaches people how to do that and and, and so on and so forth so That's awesome so yeah the coding side i could do a little bit of coding but it's more but you just, don't even don't need know. to nowadays i don't need to yeah dude, think about it soon in, in a couple of weeks couple of months we're gonna have chat gbt5 or whatever and you're gonna just say hey i need you to build me this type of algorithm or this bot and it's gonna do it for you like that you're not even gonna need to know anything except how to ask the question right exactly exactly and i look i mean that was one of the things i was sort of wanting to even talk to you about and, and yeah. uh tap into your mind on is around the whole sort of ai thing uh you it know scares me bro it's crazy it, 
from, from a market point of view, and I mean, eventually, uh, and I just saw an AI bot today that, that came out, eventually there's going to be, you know, lots and lots of AIs trying to trade the market or they, I mean, even though there's some doing them now, right? So how do you think that's going to impact the human trader, the manual trader, somebody who's going in there competing against AIs who've obviously got a different motive and a different sort of, you know, their, their, their mind is going to be, well, their consciousness and their, their their abilities are going to be far exceeding any human out there. I mean, what do you think? Have you ever have you even thought? Dude, into I think this? about I'll, we talk about it on the podcast a couple of times. I we I think we have a whole episode about AI just because it was something that it was right when Chat GBT upgraded and launched that upgrade. Uh, and yeah, in our four, Discord, yeah. yeah, four came out, and everybody in the Discord was like, "Yo, if we're not using Chat GBT, even for simple simple things, we're slacking, just slacking." Even like, like, but so I'll be say this, then I'll tell you my negative to it. Even simple things like if I want to know what is the percentage likelihood that US 500 SPX moves down five days in a row over the last 20 years, instead of me having to pay someone to code that and backtest that, ChatGPT could probably come up with an answer. I don't know if it'll give a good answer to that exact one, but this leads to my point. What it does, and this is why I don't believe in it yet, but it is going to be the future. There's no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Even today, look at Apple. They just announced the new VR augmented reality glasses. I don't know if you saw that. Go watch the video. It's, oh, dude, it's wild. You're going to have internet in, in between you and physical reality, internet browsers. It's amazing. Um, I, I think that because that technology always wins, it will win in the long term. But shorter term, that chat GBT is an aggregator of information. and Certain questions, I could tell you some funny ones, have been asked to it that it can't answer because of whatever bias it has, political, whatever, left, right, whatever. And it'll give you biased information. And the problem with it, this is why I'm not a big fan of it right now, is it, it sounds confident. When you ask ChatGBT or an AI bot a question, the AI bot answers with confidence. It doesn't answer in a hesitant, mm, I don't know. You know, yeah. it might tell you, hey, I'm not programmed to answer this, which is I don't know, but that's its only default. It doesn't have any discretion. And that's what I think you were saying a little bit about with the trading and why you like the charts now. The charts give you a little bit of discretion. So I think there's always going to be a place for the retail trader. And I'm curious to know what you think. But like even now, look at how they came out with those um, zero day to expiry options a few years ago. And they've become like 25% of day traders that trade options are now using this specific new tool. Wow. So like – the big banks take retail traders' money every day, retail investor money every day. They're not going to put that out of bit. That's a part of their business. They're not going to yeah. just shut that down. Even like people don't know years ago, I'm not going to say what year because I don't know statistically. You could ask ChatGBT, it might know. Years ago, some of these banks like Wells Fargo would make 30, 40% of their yearly profit from in, uh, foreign exchange transactions, from for, from currency transactions, whether that's between companies that they're facilitating and or traders that are also trading, that's a big part of their profit. So I think people don't realize how much these big banks actually need us in the market to take advantage of us in a way, to take advantage of the amateur. But what do you think about the chat GBT? Do you think that AI and everything is going to just take over and run the show here? Or do you think, you know, humans will fight resistance like what's his name john connor and terminator right yeah look i mean i i don't know if you've read the book homo deus but i've heard of it i have not read it uh so so i mean the, the, the spoiler alert on this one if you don't want to 
hear no, it. Tell uh, me, bro, it off my, my listeners know I'm not a, I'm not a reader, so I'm not going to read yeah. it. Tell me. Look, well, look, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I um did I read it? I don't think I read it. I think I just listened to it on the audio book, but um, but it, still counts. It does still counts. Talk about yeah. So this, I mean, the, the first book was Sapiens, and then this book, which is like you know the human history we're up to now, and then Homodeus is what happens next, and it's very much gives you the sort of foresight as to like, yes, AI is coming. AI is probably going to be the thing that is going to change the world going forward. And it's going to be the people that are in charge of the AI that are going to be the ones that run the show. And then it's going to be everyone else is going to be like just a, just a blob of meat, basically. And so the ones that can communicate a biohacked, like, you know, they've got sort of AI stuff plugged into them somehow and they can communicate with the, the AIs. They're the ones that are going to rule the world, and everyone else is pretty much just going to be, you know, they're being entertained by the AIs or whatever. I don't know. Almost very sort of no. It doesn't like it, it. Elon Musk said that somebody, it might have been Peter Thiel, it was someone, one of the other rich guys that like started Google or something like that, called Elon Musk a speciesist because he cared about the evolution and continuation of the human species. So there are people. I I actually believe there are people. Who don't care if humans exist or not because technology they think technology will evolve we will upload consciousness into a computer and then live in a virtual reality which then spawns the question is that what this is that we're in right now if that's true right and that's what yeah. elon says too elon says like there's a very low probability that this is base reality if that's possible so it's very very confusing very complicated uh -huh. ai stuff and i mean look you i think people have to take a side do you take the side of like I'm scared of AI. We need to regulate this. We need to crack down on this. We can't just let people go crazy with this. Or do you say, no, let innovation run run free and see what we can get of it? What if we get unlimited free energy and all this other crazy stuff from AI? We found an alternative to gasoline and solar and all this other stuff yeah. that we never knew about. What if AI yeah. cracks the code to all these things from maybe thousands of years ago we never knew about and now we've forgotten? AI, so AI should be in some ways let free to roam and explore. You know, So it's very hard. It's very hard to see yeah. but you know what I don't, I don't, yeah no sorry I, go ahead i was gonna say yeah I do, I do think you're right in terms of like it will it will end up taking over i mean i think that's i mean i pretty much think that's guaranteed right it will end yeah. up taking over what's and, it called singularity I mean, like, right that's what they yeah. call it yeah yeah and, and and sort of i mean if you think if you compound that with the blockchain right so the blockchain which is just an nc in itself that's just yeah you know it's running and if you think ai jumps on board that then ai is going to be talking to other ais they're going to be it's creating over. their own contracts they're going to be buying and selling businesses themselves yep and they're going to be you know doing the lawyer stuff themselves they can everything's going to be done it's all going to be done and we're essentially going to be out of the equation to a certain degree so long term even, even I, it, I don't yeah. disagree long term but short term I'm still trading. I'm going to try to make as much yeah. money as I can short term <laughs> before these robots come and kick my ass. Yeah, exactly, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Is it going to happen in our lifetime? Maybe, maybe. not. Maybe, maybe, at the very maybe end. not. Maybe at the very end. Yeah. You know what? Um, the, the, the banks right now and in the past have been using algorithms for a long time. There's a, a survey. The Bank for International Settlements does a survey every three years of central banks all over the world. And they put out in, I think it was 2019. So not even the most recent survey. Go back the one before that, I believe, 20 whatever it was. Two surveys ago, they said, I think it was 54% of all the central banks that they surveyed said that of all of their trading, 
54% of it was done by algorithms. So they're already using a form of AI and they have been for a long time. You could even argue a form of artificial intelligence, a basic form, is the fact that we can do these transactions so quickly now with such little cost. It's, it's a form of upgraded technology almost to the point of AI or where it's artificial and it can be self-thinking. But you know what's honestly scarier, bro? Last thing on the AI, those robots that like Boston Dynamics and the companies that get all those yeah. government contracts, they have unlimited funding to build these robots. Those things, bro, I'm way more scared of that than, yeah. Yeah. Well, than so the trading algo. Once you've got the robots, you can do the the mining and yeah. the building of whatever yeah. you want. And Whatever it's like, you want. We're out of the equation again. Out of the equation. Uh, yeah. yeah. Even like I, I was in McDonald's. I was in Europe. I was in uh, it was in Rome in December. I'd never eat at McDonald's, Cam, ever. Okay. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. In Italy, though, I'm like, let's go see. We're in Venice. We're by the the steps. I forget what they're called, the famous steps. There's all these designer stores. And we go through, you go into this beautiful McDonald's. There's marble everywhere, but there's no employees. All the employees oh are in the back. Filling the bag, putting the bag on the counter. There's like four or five of them. And there's 50, 60 people in this McDonald's. Beautiful McDonald's. Touch screens everywhere. Put your order in. Everybody's working back there. So it used to be the counter. Now they're just yeah. in the back. And there's like a little window. And soon they're going to be gone. They're going to be gone <laughs> soon. And even the guy that came out to like someone spilled their drink within like 30 seconds. Somebody was out there with their little robot scrubbing it, cleaning it even faster. So it's it's happening in front of us. You just have to be paying yeah. attention. And you know what else? Look at like Disney. When you come to Disney World here in Florida, they scan your finger, they scan your face, they know where you are in the park at all time. I mean, that's the China, you know, facial recognition 5G stuff. That's a step towards AI. That's a step of artificial intelligence. So yeah. it's happening all around us. We're living through it, bro. It's it's a crazy time. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. It is since crazy indeed. Since you're into the coding and the building the strategies, have you sat with any other people that are like for your podcast, like that are like pros in AI or automated trading? Have you talked to Etienne Crete? I, I don't know. Do we talk about him? Um, no, I, I, well, I haven't spoken to him. We, I tried to get on the to, to a po do a podcast He's with him. He's big into automated trading. He's one of the guys that didn't happen for some reason. Maybe it will in the future. Um, do you have anybody else that you've had on about? I've had automated? plenty of guys on. I, I used to have them on quite a bit. I mean, I, like Kevin Davies, big. Mm. Uh, I've had Andrea Unger. Uh, I had a guy called Jared. Uh, Jared, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his last name, but he was he was on the Transparent Trader. So there's a few guys that have come on. I'm gonna find I find funnily enough that my audience tends to resonate with manual traders versus algo traders. And I'm not too sure. Why. I think it, I think it's just because of the, the hurdle of I don't want to learn to code kind of thing. I think that's what it is. Um, I think that's part of it for sure. Yeah, and I, I mean one of my sort of theories here is that like the manual trader will do the back test over you know X number of years, uh, or maybe not even that, X number of trades. And they'll go, okay, this strategy works. Then they'll trade the strategy and it will work. And the auto trader will do the same thing. They'll see that it worked over that period of time. And then they'll go back for another five years and go, well, it actually didn't work though, those five years. It only worked in that short period of time there. That the time that the manual trader happened to test, manual trader trades it, does well. And then all of a sudden it falls off a cliff as with the robot that you would have built that does the same sort of thing. So yeah. it's sort of like, in a way, the robot, stuff kind of keeps you on the right side but also stops you from diving in which can and well in a way halt your progress a little bit and but what if, if you're under optimized what if i'm yeah. like you're, you're correct if the strategy is built and deployed correctly but if i'm under optimized if the strategy isn't correct won't the bot potentially just run me to zero just take yeah, me all the way 
yeah, I, I suppose it will. Yeah, I suppose it, it will. But I mean, I suppose the other thing is the other thing is that you need to think about is there's that discretionary part, and and this is something I've always struggled with is in the back test, right? If you're manual back manually back testing, yeah. And I think we even tried to touch on it on your episode on my yeah, show. Yeah, we did. I was just thinking um, that. Yep. Was was and I'm I'm like even going through it now, like manually back testing a strategy, and I and I this is the third attempt at trying to do it, right? The third attempt because I just. When I look at it and I actually go and I'll like, tr you know, trade on, I'll trade London session. Um, when I went these days, I'll trade London session, right? And I'll sit there for an hour, two hours, depending on the day. And I'll go through and I'll trade London session and I'll look at the trades and then I'll go back and go, okay, well, what were, would I have taken this trade in the back test? And then, ah, oh, I missed this little thing or I didn't see it in the back test because. The 100%. setup. I saw it in the live, but I didn't see it in the back test. Why is that? 100%. Because it's I missed biased. that rule, or yeah, it's a biased, or it's, it's, or a bias. it's like it. It looks like it's set up in the back test, but in the live it didn't, or it looks like it's setting up in the live, and I missed it in the back test because it didn't eventuate into a trade that won. But I took it in the live because it, the setup was valid. Right. Um. So, so does discretion always... win? That's the question, right? Yeah, now this is what. That, that's that's I, the thing. That's what all the listeners I, are wondering. I do too. I think yeah, it does. I, I think it does. I think it does. I think people that what I've found over the, like, the course of interviewing all these people is the guys that really understand what's going on are the guys that can read price and the guys that understand where the market is in the current cycle uh, and what's likely to happen from a pro probabilistic point of view going forward. So they've got a core underlying strategy that they're executing but they know that they're not going to execute it at this point in time, at that point in time, at this point in time for X, Y, Z reason, which they cannot always explain to other people because it's just drilled in, it's burned into their mind. And that is essentially what makes them better traders than other people who are either break even or are not making it work. And how do you get to that point? You spend hours and hours and hours and hours at the charts and then it just burns into the back of your mind. Now, that's sort of my overall overarching view of what it takes to become a profitable trader and sort of wrapped up in a nutshell. Would you agree? <laughs> I love that. I was going to say you said that so well. I, I think there's aspects to it that you didn't mention, but I think that that is the underlying basis that every trader that is consistently making money year after year has. They know how to read price. And also, you kind of said it, but I'll say it shorter. They just, they know how to manage their psychology. That's it. Mm. I think mm. when I'm, I'm, from the guys that I've sat with, some of them that you've also, I'm sure we've had some overlapping guests at this point, but the common thing for me, because I've sat with traders that are in the Market Wizards books, I've sat with guys that are just in my mentorship group, just having their second or first year of consistent profits. The The foundation of it all is belief the only like and this i'm curious to know what you think of this my new thing i've been saying is the only difference between a professional and an amateur trader it's not strategy it's not anything it's not some certificate it's not some degree it's belief do you believe the way you're going to deploy money into the market is going to make money time and time again even if you take losses we're talking longer term than that right or do you believe that this or do you not have enough belief to be able to deploy it prop like properly because i think Again, this is just my experience. There's just so many different ways to make money. There's so many different strategies. So many guys find different ways to cut an edge. Okay, it's clearly not that one strategy rules them all. 
it's a set of psychological beliefs that transcend any strategy that allow you to plug into any strategy and trade it well, if you have these set of beliefs. And I think, you know, that, that underlying belief of I am a professional, I follow rules, I don't break certain rules, that is a belief system that is underlying, and I think all traders' success. But I'm curious to think, are there other characteristics that you've come across in some of your interviews that are common that like stand out? Like the best traders, do they stay up all night and smoke a vape and drink alcohol? Probably not. They probably sleep well and have a very stress-free life, right? Oh yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I completely agree around the belief thing, and I've thought, I've thought that in the past, and probably haven't really sort of um, brought it to the forefront. But like, I mean, I, I often find with myself, if I'm going to trade a, a strategy, and if it's a new strategy I haven't traded before, and I, I do the testing, I go, go ahead and trade it, and nine times out of ten, the first week will be profitable, like high win rate good everything you know making money and then for whatever reason the weekend hits and then the next week i'll screw it and it's like and it's a belief thing right because at that point the first week i've got the belief the second week the belief's wavering because i'm like going well, hang on a sec that's 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 been a good week well, how can i replicate that again and, and so all of a sudden the beliefs were, and this is something this is an issue i've got i think personally around the manual trading and because i've seen it happen so many times it's it's just ridiculous how many times it has happened for me first week great rest of it rubbish and then eventually i'm like i don't think the strategy works <laughs> and then i move on to another one um but like other things that people have that people well and one thing i can i can probably honestly say is that all the little hacks and mindset hacks and tips and tricks that I hear on the show over the years. I mean, I've implemented a lot of them into my life and, you know, some of them are great just from a mindset point of view and keeping you, you know, on the right, even keel and stuff. Will they fix your trading? I don't think so. I don't think in, individually they won't. I think you need to combine it with the fact that you're going to dedicate a large proportion of your life to, to the charts and to the market. Um, in the expense for something else that you know you probably don't want to give up uh and I, and I another sort of theory i had was on the guys that are younger and that they start or a you've got the internet now which makes things a lot easier to to get from you know your learning curve is going to be quicker you've, you've got sure. so much more, more at, resources at, yeah, resources at your fingertips um but the other thing you haven't got is you haven't got probably most likely haven't got a good source of income at that stage, like something that's really, you know, paying the bills and you, you know, you, you're getting a lot of money. You'll be on minimum wage. If, if not, you've got a part-time job or, or another benefit is you could be living with your parents or, or, you know, you're not having to, you've got nothing to support. You've only got yourself to look after. So you've got everything going for you. Right. Whereas what I find is the guys who are a bit older, especially when you're in that sort of like, you've got a family, you've, you're working a day job, um, don't say it's too probably, late for them don't say it's too late i'm not saying it's too late too late it's i'm just kidding i'm just kidding it's just difficult it's just it's definitely everyone is agreeing with you you're not lying i just had yeah, to make a joke yeah. you're so you're yeah, so yeah. right bro. responsibilities yeah, right like yeah. kids job yeah things yeah and, bills. Then, and then it's like and then it's like you so you're gonna say i'm gonna give up you know two hours to do back testing right no i'm just working time with my kids yeah, I've just worked eight hours and I've done like two hours of commuting or, or whatever during the day. So I'm, 10 hours of my day's done and I'm going to get two hours and I'm, I'm not going to make any money from it. No way. Probably for another year and a half, maybe two People aren't going to do that. 
it doesn't make sense, right? The, yeah. To the mo normal human, it doesn't make sense. So you've got to be someone who can can do that, and it's got to be able to make sense. And whether or not there's a life event that changes things for you and it makes it easier to do, um, great. That's the opportunity you got to take. Sure, sure. But it's what about that? that what it, yeah. What about the kids that are living at home where it's a pro, but then they spend their profits on a, a stupid fancy car instead of moving out of their parents' house? So it can be a pro, but then yeah. you end up building bad financial habits because you're relying on other people instead of being fully independent. So everybody's got a different journey. You know what I mean? Everybody's got a different point that they're they're trying to get into trading from. Whether you're – I've got guys – like I have a guy that paid to be in our mentorship group. He just passed his challenge, funded himself with 500 grand. He's a successful businessman in his – right? Like by anyone would look at him and be successful. It would say he's successful. He's got three kids. He made it work. He also lives in the West coast, which like is a hard time zone, in my opinion, to learn how to trade. He would have to wake up sometimes when he was like, just, but he made it work. So I think you're spot on in saying the younger guys tend to have an advantage because they have lower overhead, but there are still, like you said, some older guys that have the characteristics maybe from their previous business to make it work. It's just not as common. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's impossible. It's just, and it could just be that you know you get the right person who's there. Like, I'm gonna take one course. It happens to be a good course, and then from that course, they're able to make it work because they just stick to it and they believe in it, and and make it work. It, I'm not saying it's 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 when and I'm, I had this you know I had this guy on. The, I actually met one of them for a coffee, and I'm like, right, here's a plan of action if you want to. You know, it's a I don't meet with anyone for coffees, right? So this is random. Meet with them for a coffee, and I'm like, here's an action plan. Just go ahead and and do that. Anyway, he's exactly that kind of person, and he came back uh, about two weeks later, and he was like, he goes, oh, there's this crypto opportunity. I'm thinking I might get into, it. and this other oh. guy can teach me this um, thing. Like, do you think I should do these things? Because, and I'm like, mate, there's the action plan. I told you, and I even oh. told you in the coffee. I said, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna try and veer away from it. And you're going to try and do something else. Sure enough, he did. He goes, I'm like, I'm I'm three episodes into the thing that you told me to watch. And uh, and now I'm thinking about doing this crypto thing. And I'm like, it's exactly what I told you was going to happen. And you're doing it. You're even emailing me about it. Um, And I reply back to him with a sort of like kind of harsh email. And uh, I think I'm going to end up seeing him in the gym at some point and going, he's going to be like, looking at me like is this guy upset with me or what so i don't know anyway that's Bro. that's sort of uh but that's, uh, that's so typical i mean it with is our typical. when we have our mentorship group i have guys like that bro i i you'll never cease to be impressed i think by people's sometimes just like poor decision making i've had and and people just i think overcommit sometimes before they're they bite off more than they can chew and and that's my experience sometimes with the mentorship group, like people saying they can do something, saying they can commit to something and then realizing that maybe they just don't have the time or they don't have the discipline to do it, you know? Yeah. And look, I mean, and I think, yeah, time and discipline is a, is a key thing. I and mean, one of the things that I've, I think I didn't realize for a long time was routine was, was part of it. So getting into that why? routine, finding, why is that? Why? Why? Why, why did I not understand? Or why, sorry, why didn't I yeah, realize? Like, or why is why it, did you not realize that routine was important? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, for what it, I think. Every motivational like, guy tells you, wake up, take a nice bath, get it going. Like, what do you, you know, come on. Oh, you, so you routine, routine in terms of trading routine. Yeah. So I've been, mean, I've got lots of routines, but in terms of like, these are the, this is the time that I'm going to 
allocate to the market or I'm going to be able to fit it into my routine to do the trading. And Got I it. think a lot of the, back in the day, I, I had a lot of excuses when I look back and be honest with myself of I'm, I'm in New Zealand. There's, I can't trade because I'm not around when the market really moves, uh, you know, I'm asleep. And so that was my big excuse. And then I realized after like many years, well, there's the London open. Why can't I trade that? That's like my evening. Oh, are you, are you stupid? There's oh, also swing trading. Yeah, exactly. The swing trading or like. And can, now there's crypto that doesn't even, crypto moves the best in your time of day sometimes. Yeah. So, so I mean, like, you know, and I was working a job, so that was the excuse as well. And it's like, well, I didn't want to get up early and I didn't want to stay up late and all this sort of stuff came, crept in. I mean, on top of that, I was running a podcast and I like doing all that sort of stuff, which you know no, is going to take dude, time anyway. It's but... hard to run a business and be a trader. Like it is hard. It's not easy. I think people think guys like we do it for fun. It's not just for fun. It's it's difficult to like I, I've i had a couple of people on my show <clears throat> and I would agree with it myself. I think I'd be a better trader if I only traded. If I never had started the business and yeah. done the coaching and everything else, more time to just my trading, I probably would have made more money already from my trading. I, I think that that's probably true. Yeah. I want to ask you a question though, really quick, Cam. I want to kind of pivot in a, in a in a fun direction here. With all of the guests that you've had, I'm curious because I'm sure some of our listeners want to know some of the more interesting or outrageous stories that you've had. Can you think of one off the top of your head that you could share with us? Maybe one of the guys you had on who lost a ton of money and clawed it back. Maybe some crazy story about whatever. Anything that anything outrageous that comes to mind? Oh, I mean, the, the 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 first thing that comes to mind is uh a guy who was on the show um actually he was he was on he's been on for for years his, his name's andre stewart and he 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 was uh he came on as like a struggling trader i did this thing where i had like five traders come on and get taught by uh a guy who was a professional trader right. and we followed them across three weeks and he was going to sort of turn them all around and so i had this guy on and he was like you know struggling trader and he Man, nothing really came of it. He didn't make money from it or whatever. Anyway, long story short, he then messages me like a few years later, three, I think three years later going, oh, I've actually sort of cracked it. I finally cracked it. I was like, oh, really? And and so it turns out that he had cracked trading. It worked out how to do it and he was profitable. Um, he wasn't. He said he was like paying the, the, the bills at home, but he wasn't, you know, making lots of money. And this was before prop firms and that. Anyway, long story short, um, later on, we interview, I interviewed him. I've had him on a few times and he told me the story where like the sort of turning point or tipping point from him and he'd like lost, you know, he, he went into a bit of a losing streak and then he's like walking around this house by himself going, what on earth is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? And then he's like, saw this $20 note on his desk and he's like, it's you, it's you. It's effing you. And he's like, he said he was swearing at this $20 bill for about 25 minutes. He was in, in tears, crying at it, just abusing the money, abusing it, and just like going, I hate you. I hate you. Anyway, at the end of it, he ended up going around, driving around town, and he had all this bling that he'd bought over the years, and he started giving it away to homeless people. And like shoes and clothes and stuff. And he's like, it's, I don't, I don't care about the money anymore. And it changed his trading completely. And wow. he went from not caring, uh, sorry, for caring about the money too much to not caring about it. And his trading became much more 
you know, it's a great story. And great. It's so true. It's just so true. I think when you, it's it, the, the lesson there is like when you trade because I, I, it's not there, but it's a parallel lesson. When you trade because you need to make money, you don't trade that well. When you care about the money so much, you don't trade that well. But when you trade because you love to trade, you want to solve the puzzle of the market, see a strategy through, you tend to make more money than you actually realized. Yeah. 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 Actually, I'll tell you another story just quickly yeah. while I remember it. No, 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 um, please. Episode it was episode fourteen. If you want to listen to it, it's probably the craziest episode I've had on the show. Okay, and there was a guy called uh, F. Mianti. Did you know Irish... it was going to be crazy when like you I started? I had no idea. He he was like sort of one of the one of the guys who was from the Malaysian style of uh, they called it read the markets back in the day. It okay. was very popular. Uh, if people know about it, and he was like the sort of like the 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 guy behind it. Okay. And the whole episode was all about the Illuminati and how they or the people we didn't really the Ross Shields, whatever you want to call them, how they controlled everything, and it was all about how the market's been controlled by these, you know, the the, the eye or whatever you want to call it, and how they're basically waiting all year to for all these all the people in the world to put all their money in and then they're just going to take it in the course of like a month and he said it happens over and over again he goes i'll only take like two or three trades a year uh but the trades he takes are like you know one i think it was like one to a thousand r or something like that or 200 200 r and he would just he goes this is but i know the spot the exact spot where you get into these trades to get this humongous mega uh, trade and there's a video on the channel as well which shows how he took one of these trades and i think it was an oil trade and really it is it's 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 just compression of price going up in a direction to a point and then it just drops and i know that there's a lot of guys who malaysian guys who who trade this kind of style and they do make a lot of money on it and they can either make it with one big position or some people put like a big position in at the start or biggish and then scale in uh, with lots of smaller positions down to this, you know, the supply level or, or demand level and price either goes back up or it carries on down. So his, yeah, his was a craziest episode where 90% of the episode was around how the Illuminati is basically taking all your money in the markets. And that was, yeah, that was it. it was Dude, it's crazy. a good laugh. It's a good laugh. Yeah. I, I, I will, uh, I will definitely check that out when I have my tinfoil hat back from the yeah. shop so i can make sure that yeah. that's, that's <laughs> on and fitted correctly yeah, but you know exactly. what people have funny things bro i'll tell you i had a girl it's on youtube still i interviewed tom basso and it all started after i interviewed tom basso i've never had you can still to this day you can search austin silver scam asfx scam i don't have any videos except from this one girl uh she's this black girl talking about astrology and how tom basso worked for monsanto and i'm connected with him so together we've partnered up because there's these constellations in the sky she knows we've partnered up and we are against the market and are trying to get everyone to invest in <laughs> assets that we're going to take their money from and she goes in right. like if you listen to the video she's talking about how like if i would just use sagittarius in the sky and i would know which way to trade better and like she's just going on and on and on about astrology impacting charts and the comments are not pleasant because i showed it to my community and my community had her ass oh, and really? uh really 
hundreds of comments. Almost at one point, I think the video had like 3,000 views, 4,000. It still doesn't have very many views, but there was more comments than Oh, views. seriously. hundred, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, but I think it's because people nowadays are getting, are, are waking up to the fact that anybody can make a YouTube video. Anybody can say anything. When people are allowed mm. to do that, misinformation spreads. Then there's, at the same time as that, there's good people making good content and good information. And as that gets pushed out and repeated, that will stick in people's mind too. The good information will also stick. So then more good information continues to spread. People get smarter over time. We all evolve. There's people that have really become aware of what like a trading strategy is and like what a system is being systematic and rules-based. And now people can watch YouTube videos very quickly and be like, this guy does not know what he's like. I've had guests that I've pulled their episode because I sit there with a the screen share with them. And I'm like, bro, I, I I think you have to do a little bit more learning. You don't know what you're talking about. Like you, you, there's people that don't know what they're saying. And then, like I said, on the flip side, there's people that are putting out the right information. So you just have to have to, discretion in that, just like we talked about earlier and critical yeah. thinking, like, is there actual merit to what these people are saying, you know? And like yeah. that guy with his strategy of compression and whatever, whatever justification, just like ICT, you mentioned ICT, like whatever justification these people want to make to whatever the market is doing, the Rothschilds are doing it. ICT is doing it. This guy's whatever you want to say, that's your belief system. And what did we say at the beginning of the podcast? Everything in trading is based on your belief system. So if you believe yeah. that there is an Illuminati out there to take your money on the other side of the market, that is everything you will, everything you do will look to point that piece of information, confirmation bias. You will look mm. to confirm that. All of us would do that. That's what humans do. But when you start to believe things like that are 100% true, that's where you start to fall off the wagon. That's where you definitely start to lead yeah. yourself astray. You got to yeah. stay. And that's why I like your content. You are always asking great questions. You always kind of, you don't take a side on anything too firmly. You're like, well, that could be. That's open. You stay very open-minded. And I think that is a characteristic too of a great trader. Yeah. Yeah, look, and I think, I, I mean, I, I do sometimes wish that, you know, people would would see that as well and go, you know, you can't just be so narrow-minded. You've got to be open-minded. You've got to let people give their opinion. You've got to then assess it and make it your own. And I think making it your own is probably one of the big uh, other big things that really help you as a trader. Yeah, because so you, you can, own it. You take ownership. Yeah, you've got to own it. Yeah, if you don't own it, if somebody just gives you it and then you don't actually own it, i.e. it's just been given to you, well, you didn't do anything for it, i.e. okay, you might have bought a course or whatever, but you then got to own that. If you don't own it, you're always going to struggle with it because you haven't made it your own. And when I say make it your own, I don't mean like completely reinvent it and go, well, I'll just take like, you know, a little smidgen of it. If they've got a, got a full system, a full course, take that full course, go through and back test it, validate it, get it in the, burn it into the brain. Once it's burnt in, then you own it. And then no, it's a great point because I think like even like as someone that teaches systematic trading and now with our mentorship, I work with these guys closely. Like I see, yeah, I can plug you into the A2. Like we could sit here, Cam, on the next podcast. I'll show you how to trade the A2 strategy. But then you, no matter how hard you try, you won't be able to duplicate the results until you've gone and found your niche, we call it, within the A2. There's variations of this strategy, this entry signal. It's the same rules, same stop loss. Same entry signal, same take prop. All that's the same. The rules are the standard. But how you apply those rules to this entry versus this entry, like why are you in this one and not that one? That's your niche. Why are you in Bitcoin, not SPX? That's where your entry and your niche, you know what I mean? So I think everyone has to figure out like 
that system, like you said, and then niching it down to what do you do best? And that we keep coming back to beliefs today. I feel like the beliefs is is the underlying theme of our conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I, 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 I agree. I completely agree. I mean, the other thing, I mean, sort of going back to what you were saying around the, uh, uh, we're, we're sort of talking about routine and getting into a routine and keeping making something routine. Yeah. I think that like that, yeah, what it was a big thing in terms of like just finding a slot in the day. And I've had sort of really good runs where I've found, okay, a slot. I'm going to do 9 a.m. in the morning for an hour. I'm going to do all my analysis, place my trades, make them limit orders. So I'm not actually having to, or stop orders, limit orders, not market execution. And then just manage them on a daily basis. Now that was a day trading strategy and it did really well um, until I think there was too much variation and I sort of forgot I hate to say it, I kind of forgot what I was doing. Really? Like the rules got too vague because I was doing the multi time frames. There was too many rules. But yeah, I did that's... manage, I passed prop firm challenges with it and did really well. And then it just sort of, it's almost like it just went off track. It kind of went off track. And I've had that a couple of times. And I don't know if you've got any insight into like how, if that happens, if that's happening with the other people where they've got a strategy. And then it's kind of sort of veers, like little things creep in and it starts to, it's like a golf shot, you know, starts yeah. to hook. No, 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 100%. Um, like, for example, the A2 strategy comes in different variations because of the indicators I have on the chart. At one point, the in-trend, what we would define as full trend, EMAs are in-trend with the mm -hmm. sentiment indicator we use. They're both confirming a downtrend. That's a full trend A2 if it presents in that type of an environment versus a choppier EMA and sentiment environment. That's not a full trend. That's a counter trend or a, a reversal potentially. We've seen now when we ran the first set of backtesting that it was profitable, more profitable to trade in-trend. Now, that, that was 2022. What was the trend? down SPX, Bitcoin, everything down 2022. So now as we've moved into 2023 and markets have kind of gone sideways, if not started to rise since October, now we're seeing the counter trend signals start to perform better. So even within your strategy, different variations of the same entry signal, even the same signal with different variation will perform differently in different market conditions. So your strategy might not be wrong or broken. It might be the wrong asset, the wrong time of day, or the wrong time in the cycle. That's all. So yeah. this is what, like, yeah. for me, this is what we tweaked. I was trading a breakout strategy, which is still the thing, the A1. But we started to break down the A1 and say, well, what would be a better entry price? And that led us to the A2, which we then paid this guy to code and we back tested it. And it proved to be 60% of a win rate at one-to-one -one risk reward. So right there, that's profitable. We're making money if we plug into that. So with that real automated backtesting, like we talked about manual backtesting today, that real automated testing, that really yeah. solidified to me. Okay, this works. Now that we just have to find the variations that work. And like you can take a 60% win rate strategy and bump your, your personal win rate. Mine is 86% since last June. So you could take a 60% and turn it into an 85 with just a little bit of practice and discretion. Like you said, a lot of hard work. Like I have... 542 markups. I have, I track every single one of them in this sheet. It does all this summarizing for me. It's part of our mentorship thing. Who else has, we're in June. It's like a hundred markups a month. I think a lot of guys think they're doing, but if you saw mine with text and how repeat they are the same entries, not many people have that, but that's what I know I like to do to yeah. make me see how is the strategy changing. So for you, like I would just say, don't bail on the strategy. See if there's a better market, a better time of day, or maybe it's just a time in the cycle to put that entry signal aside and move into a different entry. And then when breakouts work again, I'm going back to the A1, 100%.
But right now, breakouts have not been working and breakouts were not working for me at the beginning of the year. So you have to adjust. I would just want to say one other thing, like just yeah. on this, kind of on this, was yeah. something that happened happened to me, which, and I don't know why, that's the problem is I don't, I can't really put my finger on why it happened. But when I was, when I used to trade like manually, I yeah. put a trade on yeah, and no word of a lie, no word of a lie. My heart would start going. Of course. The, um, yeah. The, the emotions, like I would be feeling tense and I, I, all of a sudden I'd be uptight. I'd be uptight. The heart's going. Why? What I are you nervous know. about? Well, exactly. At, at that point, I, I, I know what you're know. nervous about. Yeah. Uncertainty of, of you're not like, confident in your strategy. Yeah, you exactly. Just, I'm not confident. Yeah, it wasn't confident. Yeah, exactly. If you're confident. Like look, look at Tiger Woods, you know, study the greats, bro. Tiger Woods doesn't get up there with shaky hands. He knows he's going to whack that ball exactly where it needs to go. And in his mind, he doesn't even think if I screw it up, I'll just do it again or fix it and make it better next time. No, if that happens, of course, that's what he's going to do. He doesn't need to think about that. Don't even, don't even think about the fucking opposite there. You just think I am most confident. I know my process. So like when I tell the guys that I'm coaching them and then they tell me they have hesitation issues on execution or things like that, I tell them more markups, mark up that entry signal a million times. You will be more confident in it as you train your stupid human eyes to see it more. You'll believe in it more because you see it more. I think too many traders like try to feel their way around, even if they have a strategy. They don't actually practice it every day. And how many times, like you've said it already, you give a trader a strategy and he does the opposite. So I think actually following the the, the plan of being like a professional trader means plugging into a system, following rules. And in that, I think... You, like you've probably seen this in your other guests, the guys that are confident and that have data that backs that confidence, they're untouchable. You could take yeah. their money away. Yeah. They'll go get funded again. They'll go round up money. They have a track record that's going to show they can round up money. So it's like that. I think that's the essence of professional trading. It's not to know everything. It's not to know all the strategies or how all the indicators work or how all assets move. It's how do you apply a couple of strategies to a couple of markets with big money and make good returns, you know, realistic returns too. Yeah. Yeah, because because all of a sudden it stopped, right? It, for whatever reason, this this emotional thing just stopped, and I'm like, I take a trade now, and I don't have that emotion, and that I think is part of a disconnect it, from money, part of a disconnect from everything. Oh, bro, it's it's sort of like, yeah, and and it's funny you mentioned that, like around the you know doing thousands of markups or hundreds of markups and stuff, and having that confidence. There's a couple of episodes on my show which didn't get a good lot of traction. But they talk about that, and the best ones never detail. do, bro. Yeah, they never do, and it's the like, Illuminati people... guy will get a lot of views because people want to hear about it because yeah. they like it. But it's like the guy that'll actually teach you a strategy. He's gonna get. That's yeah. why I mean, that's my life, bro. Welcome to my life. Yeah, like I mean, if you guys want to go and check it out, it's Cass Darman and uh, Tyler yeah, Malone, so, and yeah. I think it's their second episode, not their first ones, but their second ones that they came on, and they actually talk about this, and they don't. They got like no, like hardly any traction. We but have to check people, that one out. We got to yeah, check that the, one out. But the people who did, the people who did, and I only heard, I heard from Tyler yesterday, actually, he goes, man, the feedback on this, like from the people, he goes, I know it didn't get a lot of views, but damn, the feedback of people who listen, Instagram, it, yeah, the, even, even my mentor who is not like public anywhere, uh, he listened to it and he said, that's a great episode. And he's been trading for, he's like done 25,000 hours of the charts. I don't know how many probably years, felt good. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's like, and I'm like, why is nobody looking at this episode? <laughs> so, well, like gold. 
now, now hopefully our listeners that sat all the way through with us, they'll go check it out. But yeah, listen, Cam, yeah. this has been incredible, bro. It's always really good to chat with you. I have to first thank you for having me on your show. I appreciate you for coming on here. I know my audience does. I know we hopefully introduced some new people to you. And hopefully for your audience that was here, we talked about some topics that maybe they haven't heard you speak on in a little while or maybe at all. So I'm sure that there's some value here for every trader. Before we go, You've mentioned some episodes. Where's the best place to get a hold of you and to find the podcast? Is it Twitter, Instagram? Can you tell everybody where to find that? Probably best to go to just tradingnut.com. Uh, okay. All the links are on through there, or you'll find me on YouTube, Trading Nut, Cam Hawkins, that kind of thing. Uh, but hey, look, Austin, yeah, it's been a pleasure having you on my show and coming on here as well and, and sharing stuff that I don't really get a chance to talk about on my that's show. That's what I like to do, bro. So, I, keep, I keep it casual. I like to have, come on, you're hanging out with the guy with the beard and the tie-dye shirt, bro. We're not going to be too stuffy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're going to we're gonna bring out the Rothschilds and the tinfoil hats a little bit. Hopefully YouTube doesn't cancel us just because we mentioned the Illuminati. Yeah, you know? geez, ho hopefully don't, don't do me like that, Cam. This is your first time yeah. <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, but this has been great. So for listen, for the audience, make sure you connect with Cam, Trading Nut. The links are down below. We want you to subscribe and stay up to date with that. Cam will have my episode out, I'm sure, very soon, as I'm going to have this out for uh, our audience as well. We appreciate you guys listening all the way through. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any future episodes, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks, everybody.